0: Hey guys, welcome to the Drone Horizon podcast. I'm Alex and today I'm joined by Isla Petrie. Isla, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Okay, so hi, I'm Isla. Um, I'm from Rhode Island in the United States and I am a drone photographer, but I do mostly video. Um, my Instagram is Adventures of Blondie, and so you can find me there to see more of what I do.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for being with us today. Um, I'm glad we obviously got to sort out of time in the end. Um, as always, we've asked you to send over sort of three pictures that have like a good story to them or are your favourites, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, we've got three fantastic pictures. Obviously, we've got four pictures, but we'll we'll get onto that a little bit later. So do you want to start with the, uh, the desert scape? So do you want to talk us through why you've chosen that one?
1: Yeah. So, well, actually, that's mostly because I've started liking my photos more recently because I wasn't doing actually a lot of photos before I was just only shooting videos and then when I would get back from trips people were like oh I really wish you had a photo of that so I could put it on my wall and I was like I don't know (laughs) I didn't do that um so I started getting really into doing um these big stitched together photos of different landscapes and um That was on my recent trip out from, I decided to drive from Rhode Island to California because I had so many of these plans this year that just like completely fell apart. So I was like, you know what? I have a car, I'm kind of crazy. I'm just gonna drive to California today, pretty much. Um, So yeah, I packed up my car, eventually made it to that one spot and it's um, right on the border of Mexico. So there's like all these crazy planes you know, flying overhead. And um, I had met like one guy out in the desert. He like tracked my feet all the way to me and took me to the top of these dunes. And um, so that was when the sun was going down, but that was a pretty epic spot. And these dunes are like a thousand feet tall. And I was planning to walk to the top, but he took me up on this little Polaris. So that was nice. so I spent like a week out there just getting really sandy, so sandy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this shot's really nice because, like, it's, it's a bit different because obviously you, when you think of deserts and that kind of thing, you tend to think of sort of your, your oranges and your reds and, and your yellows. But this is really nice that you've managed to sort of get like, a, it almost looks a little bit like water. Um, and obviously being from this kind of height, you've got no real concept of how tall those dunes are. So with this shot, was it like a, obviously you mentioned that it's like a a multiple shot panorama. So do you know how many shots this one was?
1: That one. So when I'm doing the shots that are kind of looking more outwards then I usually just do a single shot. But if I'm looking down, then I'll stitch them. But um, it's funny, like what you're saying about the deserts being kind of, you know, yellow and orange. I can't stand those colors. Like I have a really hard time with them so when I got out there I was like thank god it's not (laughs) orange so like that was really nice for me um but yeah so like if I'm doing if the gimbal's at an angle at all I won't do a stitch because there's just way too much stuff that happens but um all my top down shots now some of them are 20 photos stitched together so I could blow them up to the size of maybe that wall
0: yeah I mean, I, I really like this shot, as I mentioned, sort of because of the colors, but it really caught my eye because it is something very different. And and when you sort of first look at it, you're not quite sure of, of what it is. And that sort of brings us nicely onto your second shot, which is the, the one where you've got the orange and it's like that the half and half shot. I mean, you mentioned that you don't really like oranges and yellows, but this shot seems to have quite a lot of that. So do you want to talk us through this shot?
1: Yeah, so that's like the most extreme orange. That's like... Yeah, very extreme. It's come, it's like acid water, but basically, so I drove up Route 1, um, was sleeping. So for this whole trip, I was pretty much sleeping in my car and I had found this. So all the spots that I find, I never like look up places to go. I just do. I have an account for it. Um, Google Earth Girl. It's really nerdy, but I just zoom in really far on Google Maps. Um, So, like, when I decide on a general direction that I'm going to drive, I'll just start zooming all the way along, like, all the roads. And so that, actually, I had found months ago. Um, And it's these salt flats, which were, I think they started making the salt flats, like, 300 years ago or something crazy like that. Um, and it was like all Native American land before. And then when the Spanish uh, colonized it, they took all of it from the Native Americans. Um, but so basically that whole area, it's just all these different colors, um, these little you know, squares and rectangles of different levels of uh, dried out salt. And so I got out there, and at first it was really ugly. But I was shooting at midday, and then as soon as blue hour hit, all of the colors started changing. Um, and that was when I was sleeping next to the Tesla factory, and I like <laughs> I like made a bonfire like next to the Tesla factory, um, so I could shoot that for blue hour in the morning. Because even in the morning it was a completely different color. So I spent I spent like three days there just shooting salt. Because I love it so much, um, and that was that was probably like the loneliest three days and the weirdest, but it was probably some of my favorite shots from the trip. I think because it's so different and like when you do these top downs, like from when you're looking across at it, it wouldn't actually look very colorful at all. And as soon as you start to tilt the gimbal, it just would be like bright pink, red purple so weird such a cool spot
0: yeah i mean you sort of mentioned about the colors changing as sort of blue hour sets in some of the other shots that we've had people come on and talk about have sort of been similar kind of thing there's um there was a a place out in arizona where the sand completely changes color and it goes sort of greens and blues and some really sort of unusual colors and obviously with this as well it is a very unnatural color to find in nature um and I particularly like this as well because you've got a massive contrast on one side where you've just got sort of orange and white to the other side where you've just got like these strips of of color sort of running down so is that just more more salt on the left hand side of the shot
1: um that's so that's like where in between the ponds there's kind of this little gutter I guess that lets some of the I think it's actually really bad for the environment but um there's some kind of chemical something going on and it runs down the gutters through out of the salt ponds um so it's just all these layers stacked on it, it almost looks like you're like looking into the earth like in layers it's really weird um so I started to get really fascinated by just like being able to see that it was just like this cut out of the ground almost but like obviously just top down but um yeah like those those colors on those photos are pretty much like I mean, other than bumping up the contrast a lot, that's pretty much like the colors as it was, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, and obviously with these kind of things, you do start to wonder whether the colors have sort of been substituted in, and and that kind of thing because, it, as I say, it doesn't look very natural. But you know, obviously, hearing your sort of story behind it and how the colors sort of changes the day goes on, you know, that that's quite interesting. And obviously, the other shot that you sent over is of the same location. It's the one with sort of the the pylon. Um, I really like that one as well and I couldn't choose between the two because obviously they're the same location Um, this one looking straight down on it you wouldn't necessarily know what it is that you're looking at but then you've got the the shadow of the pylon sort of off to one side and it it shows you what you're looking at Um, which is sort of similar to a shot that I've seen of uh, I think it was some camels walking across a desert and the the sun was really low and you wouldn't be able to tell what it is but then obviously you get the, the shadows and it sort of tells the story Um, and I really like using shadows and that kind of thing because I think they work really well with shots as well. So was this tower was that sort of next to where you were obviously I know you said you spent a couple of days there.
1: Yeah so I was basically when I found that on Google Maps I actually didn't know what it was until I saw the shadow on Google Maps and I was like no way is that what I think it is and I like I'm actually I've always been really I've always liked structures like that like telephone poles i don't know why i like them i just do like transformers um that's probably like my next tattoo is like a transformer um but yeah so when i saw that on google maps i i was like pretty dead set on that location and so the reason why i actually spent so much time there is so i can get the shadow at different parts of the day because if i shot that at noon so i never really shoot midday anymore but if I shot it at noon, there wouldn't have been much of a shadow there. And so I don't think it would have been as interesting. Um, so basically, yeah, you just have to like put in the time and just sit in weird parking lots and make burgers all day and chill (laughs) and just wait.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think obviously waiting for the shots, obviously you end up getting the results that you want and, and that's sort of all part of it. Um, sort of now looking at your third set of pictures, Um, It's the one of you laying on the rock. I mean, you commented earlier saying you do quite a lot of laying in your shots. So do you want to talk us through sort of why you've chosen this one?
1: Um, Yeah, so that was after I had started to head back east. Um, And I had like the trip was supposed to be two to three weeks. It ended up being two and a half months. Oops. Um, So I was living in my car for a really long time and I was looking, I mean, when that shot was taken, I was looking like rough. And um, I also had mice living in my car, they like got into my car. And so I'm driving and they're like eating my car. Um, But that's actually where that happened. And so that was Lake Tahoe. And um, that's when it started to get really cold. And I was like, okay, I cannot continue on this trip much longer if it's going to get you know, colder than this, it was negative 20. You don't use that, but Fahrenheit. Um, and so that was kind of one of the last shots before I just knew my time was kind of over. Because I went down there at, I think, 6.30am. And I'm just standing there. I mean, part of the reason why I'm laying I so freaking cold, like it was the the water was definitely warmer than the air um and yeah I mean that location was insane but that's another of those examples where like if you just look out it's one thing but as soon as you get the drone to 100 feet in the air it's just I was like I can't even believe that this place is real and I had never seen a photo like that before so I was definitely stoked on that shot um but it's just the stories behind these places really is what I like about it Um, but yeah, that was like one of the last locations before I was like, okay, you need to go
0: somewhere and be warm. Yeah. Yeah. And for for me, this shot really stood out because if you weren't in the shot, it could almost look like a macro shot of like a pond because, you know, obviously when you see rocks and water and that kind of thing, you usually... It, you know expect them to be that little bit smaller but it's not until obviously you've added yourself in there for perspective that you really get a sense of the scale of the, sort of the size of the rocks and and how blue the water is as well
1: yeah and I think well I I guess with the droning what I love the most about like how I've gone into it is so much about droning it's not about me anymore and I think that was kind of the best thing that's happened to me over the last more like four couple years as I got more into droning I was like you know what I just want to leave myself out of all this stuff because I see you know social media I really struggle with because it seems so narcissistic in a way it's like look what I'm doing when the reality is I just really want you know to like know that somewhere you know maybe I'm inspiring someone to like go search for something and like you know see stuff from a different perspective um but like that's yeah that spot is like, I guess me putting myself in the the shot sometimes is really hard for me because I don't want any human part of it, I guess. But at the same time, the scale, what I find from most of the people I talk to, they're like, the scale is so important because, like, that shot in Glamis, the sand dunes, it's like you can't tell that those would take two hours to walk to the top, too, you know? And then like Lake Tahoe that could be 20 feet or it could be 250 and so like I guess I just have to kind of let go of that part of me that's like always wanting to hide I guess on social media other than my stories which are like batshit crazy but like I think being able to use myself as this little thing so people understand because that's what makes it special to me is like the size of these places
0: yeah definitely and I think with obviously being photographers whether that sort of You know more traditional photography or drone photography I think we're always very used to hiding behind and being on the other side of the camera and obviously drones give you that opportunity to be able to be in the shot as well so it's sort of finding that balance and obviously what you feel comfortable with and you know sometimes getting like a a model in to, to pose in your shot is what's needed but obviously in this instance where you were sort of out doing this kind of thing on your own then it made sense for you to be in it as much as maybe you didn't want to be
1: yeah i just yeah it's just funny because like my my thought towards all this stuff has changed so much because like i grew up with i mean we all did was thinking like i i think in the beginning of like instagram we were all posting things that we just liked and then people kind of were taught to be like oh no this is about you like post stuff about yourself um And I got kind of lost in that for a minute. I'm like, really? Like, we're gonna make basically an online photo album of herself. Like, this is so weird. It's not a dating app. Um, Although you can find people online. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it was just like such a weird thing for me. Um, And I think because of these last trips I've done, it's really kind of by being alone so much, you kind of forget what the world has been kind of reinforcing in your head that like social media has to be this like thing that's all about you. And I realized, especially on this last trip, it's like, I don't really want any part in it. Like I just really am here to like celebrate the planet that we live in and, you know, the places that I want to see like protected. Um, But yeah, it's just been this like, it's weird because we kind of like weave in and out of like, what are we supposed to be doing on this huge platform that's like, this little square on our phone, you know?
0: Yeah. So obviously you talked a little bit that you sort of struggle with Instagram and that kind of thing. So how, when you go out shooting, how do you choose what shots end up on your Instagram and what ones don't?
1: So, I, yeah, it's kind of funny since I got home, I started posting again. Um, so I, over the past year, I pretty much stopped posting um mostly because like, so I was dating somebody who was really, really like way too involved with Instagram. And that was like very scarring for me to see someone like so obsessed with this tiny little app. And it was, it kind of like was his whole life. Um, And so I just really had to take a step back from it because it was just way too weird. And yeah, so like, I just wasn't motivated to post for so long. Um, And then on this past trip, I just really focused on shooting because that's what I like to do. Cause it just comes a lot more naturally. And then, yeah, like when I got home, I kind of felt like for the first time I had undeniably to me, I was e- able to like really easily select the shots that I loved instead of like, you know, importing a thousand photos into Lightroom and then going through each one and being like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then on this one, I kind of like had that one shot that I just knew was the one that like I really liked so that's made it a lot easier and then planning my feed uh with this app has made it like easier too so I just like basically look for a color and then I go into my hard drive and I find that and then I place it there yeah but just detaching myself from it like more lately has been really good
0: yeah definitely I mean just looking at your Instagram as you said you sort of tend to sort of stick with big and bold colors when you go searching for things obviously through Google Earth and that kind of thing do you specifically visit places that are just with bold colors or is it are you sort of open to anywhere
1: I'm open to everywhere but like I probably have I probably have like 500 plus places pinned on Google Earth which is crazy so I actually, like, when COVID started, I, people were like, you should manage your stress by doing, like, a uh, gratitude journal, and I was like, "Mm, no, and so I just started pinning places on Google Earth, that was, like, my um, kind of, like, stress outlet, it was super weird, and so I just have, like, if you go, if someone was to go through my uh, Google Photos, it's, thousands of screenshots of just like all these really interesting textures all over the planet Um, and I started pinning the U.S. because I don't know it's kind of weird like I feel like I've never given the U.S. much of a chance I always kind of was like I want to go everywhere but here but then recently um, when a lot of these plans kind of fell through I finally decided to do this trip that I don't know when else I would do it but I guess I wanted to like fall back in love with like the country that I'm from um but yeah so like when I'm looking for places on google maps I just zoom in really far and like I don't think I'm looking for like bright I think I'm just looking for things that stand out but it's natural things and also like industrial sites and stuff like that so like I really like salt ponds um like abandoned places, I like to shoot that too. But yeah, I've been like really obsessed with salt lately. It's very weird, but <laughs> I like it. Um, and then mostly places where people aren't driving a lot. So I like to avoid people at all costs pretty much like when it comes to droning, it's like, I wanna be there by myself. And I, and I like the Google maps is because uh, I'm not, you know, like when I'm shooting stuff, I haven't seen it before on Instagram or anywhere else and I like that.
0: Yeah and I mean obviously you sort of briefly touched upon it but I think one of the biggest consistent themes with all of your shots on Instagram and obviously the ones you've sent over as well is the texture you really the the texture of of all of your shots really really comes through um and it's not just you know there's no sort of flat colors on anything and you know everything has got that that texture, Um, I can't really put it any other way, but that's sort of like a standout feature from your shots and even on your Instagram as well, just sort of scrolling through, you look for the texture and that's something that really stands out. And obviously I guess that's probably your kind of style if that's something that you like.
1: Yeah, it's definitely becoming um, more of what I, I, I like that. It's just, there's so, when you get to a place that has so much texture, it's like, you don't get bored. So if I'm shooting, one location like there's one spot in Arizona I really like to go and I could spend a year there just cuz there's so many different colors and different like levels to the place um but I think it's just for me like half the reason why I like droning is just because you're always searching for something and you're always like I'm just a naturally like very interested person like I don't need to understand it but I'm just like interested in seeing something that I haven't seen before so when you get to these really textured places it's just like like I could just live here
0: (laughs) yeah definitely and obviously I think for for yourself obviously the states have got such a wide variety of textures and and places as well to visit I mean over in in the UK there are those kind of places but they sort of tend to be a little bit further away from each other. So it's not it's not as easy to sort of just visit them. But obviously with with yourself being able to do that road trip and visit all the places and be able to tick them off and explore, you know, your country, then I guess that's obviously that that's sort of a positive that's come out of the pandemic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the other thing is it's like, like I've shot a decent amount in the UK, but there's always kind of like a fence somewhere or there's people somewhere. Like a lot of it, has been um, changed by man, but when you get out to the west, like and that you know, like desert life doesn't really support much. And there's a huge, like it goes on forever. You know, all these all these places um, that I was spending time and like doing off roading, but it's like it's all so untouched, and like that's kind of the world that I definitely want to spend most of my time in. So, like, I'm out there by myself and I just can, like, it's kind of like you're seeing the world before we got here, which I like. I like to, like, I definitely like to think about what the planet would have been before humans got here,
0: I guess. Yeah, definitely. And obviously is, you know, being able to travel and that kind of thing obviously opens opens up your eyes and, and allows you to see a lot more of of. the natural world and i think that's what a lot more people have been doing in the pandemic is exploring their back gardens i suppose more than going abroad and and experiencing what's abroad and i think it's caused a lot of people to sort of sit and think about what they've got around them rather than having to travel for everything um and obviously man-made structures and those kind of things are good but it is nice to to be able to see places that are untouched and a lot of The sort of biggest attractions over here are the natural ones, Um, you know, like Durdle Door and Old Harry's Rocks. Like those are untouched areas that, you know, the reason they are that people like going to them is because they are completely natural and that's their attraction.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I did go to Old Harry Rocks this summer in uh, September, but that was that was pretty cool. I definitely liked because that was the first part of the UK that I was like, okay, this is you know, completely natural here. And it was just such a like a weird formation. Like I love looking for those like weird places. But yeah, no, it's definitely true. Like, a lot of people have turned inward for the first time and are like, actually, I mean, not even just discovering the place that you're from. I think like, for me, this past trip, it was like, who am I like when, because I was doing a lot of work that like i was definitely working a lot of jobs i was like why am i doing this like i was so confused by myself and then when i did this past trip i kind of reconnected with what i actually like like what am i like naturally you know attracted to um because for the last few years you know people are like oh yeah we just like pools and palm trees like just go shoot that and i was like i don't even know if i like this it was so weird and So I was definitely doing a lot of this work that I was just like, basically, you know, satisfying someone's like weird need to like see a pool. And um, because I was working with hotels in Indonesia and some other countries for like six months. So I was just shooting like really expensive places, basically. Um, And then on this trip, I was like, you know what, I just really like sand, and I like dirt and I just like really simple things. And I like, you know, I like shooting stuff that hasn't been shot before, but it's a, it is just amazing like how many people I think have shifted in like their work that they do just because they're not constantly surrounded by people being like, by the way, this is what people think is cool. This is what social media thinks is cool. Um, so I think that's been really good for a lot of people. Like definitely, yeah, it's been a good year for that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I suppose, obviously, we've sort of touched on on your trip and, and that kind of thing. And obviously, you've, you've told me that you, you're off to Egypt tomorrow. So do you want to kind of run us through what you take with you in your drone kit? Sort of what goes with you when you're out shooting? I mean, obviously, I'll put a video up on screen that sort of nicely describes probably what you took with you on your on your last trip but do you want to run us through what goes with you sort of when you go to a specific location to shoot
1: yeah so I mean pretty much for that trip that yeah I posted that uh video on reddit actually and I didn't realize there was a playboy mag in it so that started trending on reddit and I was like oh no Tiana Taylor but um yeah so that was just like all of my kit for the whole that was the most I've ever had on a trip in my entire life because usually usually I just bring one backpack and that's it so like when I did Vietnam for 40 days I had my school backpack and that was it and just my drone and my camera so pretty much with the drone I now have for this trip to Egypt um I'm just bringing one drone but usually I have my older drone, which I use for, like, sporty stuff. So, like, if I think a guy is going to run it over with, like, a dirt bike, I use that drone for that. And then I have my untouchable drone, which is what I send into, like, really clear situations. So, like, if it's not foggy out, if it's not raining, I'll send that up. Um, but, yeah, so I think in trips to come, I'm probably just going to be bringing a drone. I think, like, I do like doing photos on my Sony, but it's not really, like, my brand at this point. Like, I think I'm just specializing in aerial stuff now. Um, But, yeah, this trip tomorrow, I think I'm just bringing one, change of clothes, and the rest camera gear. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the filters, yeah, I'll have, like, filters for my drone. Batteries are good. Four batteries. Um, and then I guess I'll just have to hide it in my shirt or something when I go through. Cause I guess they're like banned or something, but we'll see about that.
0: (laughs) Do you want to run us through which brands of drone you use and and which models that you have? And obviously you've mentioned that you've got sort of one that you don't mind possibly getting damaged. So do you want to run us through what those two drones are?
1: Yeah. So the first drone I ever got was the, um, Mavic pro. And so I've stuck with those ever since. And so I have the Mavic 2, I have two Mavic 2 Pros, um, just cause the camera is so good. Um, but I wouldn't fly on anything smaller than that because I definitely will, I send it into like really heavy winds, and the smaller drones don't really handle that as well. Um, but yeah, like I, I think I'll probably, if they put out a Mavic 3, I'll upgrade to that. Um, but that's, like, the best drone by far, I think, for, like, its size. Um, but, yeah, I really like that one.
0: So you have two Mavic Pros, and one of them is designated as your I don't mind possibly losing this, and the other one is sort of more the, your precious one.
1: Yeah, so one, like, like, I went to, my first stop on this last trip was to this place, Swing Arm City, and so that's where all the motocross guys go, and the side-by-side driver's and so when I'm doing like a shot where I'm like, okay, so you're going to drive directly into my drone, like something like that, um, where I'm trying to do like a really close shot, like the sporty stuff, I use the backup drone. So the guy, one of the guys actually ran over my drone, <laughs> and, which was actually really funny. And like, I never, like, I don't mind any of that stuff. Like it doesn't even bother me, but I just popped in the leg. And I was like, okay, cool. But I think... I think you don't, if you have like a drone that's just gotten older, just keep it. Don't sell it. Use it for the sketchy situations, you know, Um, because that way, if somebody runs over your drone, you're not like upset about it because you still have another one. I think it's really important to have
0: a backup. Definitely. And I suppose with the Mavic 2s, I mean, they are great drones and I think they probably excel most when it comes to video, which is obviously something that you mentioned a little bit earlier that that sort of what you do more than photography. So is that something that you do? Do you have any commercial work that you do for drone work, or is it mainly just sort of a, a hobby thing?
1: No. So like I do, I do pretty much all my work doing drone video. I get hired mostly for that. I have a job coming up in after Egypt. So this, uh, yeah, this trip is like my last hurrah, I think, before things start getting busy. Um, I do, like, really boring jobs, too, sometimes, like, it might be taking pictures of someone's roof, or, like, I don't know, so it's whatever pays the bills, um, but I think my plan going forward is to actually get into flying, like, big drones to, like, the altas and whatnot, um, and then I'm also starting FPV, so there aren't really any girls doing that, but, I think it's my destiny. Um but yeah, no, like with the drone work, some of the jobs are really boring. And some of them are so cool and you're just meeting the coolest people on the planet cuz it's like like I love freelance cuz you get to meet you get to be with like a whole new team you know on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah, and I suppose obviously with with sort of work in general, you're always going to have the more fun jobs and you know maybe the the less fun jobs and I think that's all part of it though because even on the less fun jobs it gives you more of an opportunity to sort of better your skills better your knowledge and that kind of thing I mean it's something that not necessarily in drone work but it's something I've learned from sort of previous jobs where maybe on the the lesser fun stuff you end up picking up more knowledge and spending more time making it perfect and that obviously it's all experience and it'll benefit you in the end so it's sort of even if it may not feel fun you know it's all benefiting you in you know in the, in the long run
1: yeah yeah and also like i think the amazing thing with the drum stuff is like you know a lot of the jobs that i do overseas like like when i was in bali i was basically living for free for um, like 5 months so i was living in hotels for 5 months and so those aren't necessarily those are like exchanges so you're not making like a ton of money but at the same time you know you might be staying in a ten thousand dollar a night hotel for free so it's like the the aerial work like will get you those experiences if you look for them um and then also with tourism boards like a lot of tourism boards want drone people to be shooting because that's like really good for their magazines you know really good for any like tour agencies they have so I'd say the drone work has opened up more doors like even if it's not a paid job and it's just an exchange you know you're like breaking even but you're able to make these like crazy memories like you just don't even like believe it's your own life sometimes and it's just like you're just holding this little drone just being like it's because of you (laughs) and I don't know it's just like a really cool thing that like Having this fascination, this strange fascination from looking down on the planet has, like, will get you to these places.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a very unnatural thing looking at what a drone can see because, you know, whether when whenever we're on a plane, it's, you know, it's a lot higher up and you can never see anything down. So drones are sort of that in-between where you can still look down and see things, but it just, you know, especially with, sort of, you touched on FPV as well, like, wearing FPV goggles and you know being fully immersed in a situation like that I can imagine it's a very weird feeling because it's it's unlike anything that we experience you know in our day-to-day lives and it's a very you know you you almost feel like a bird I mean obviously you touched as I say you touched on the FPV stuff so is that something that you're sort of partway through training or have you sort of you know you comfortable with it now?
1: So I literally started doing my first bit of training this past week so I found this like remote downstairs for this quad my dad his his friend gave him um but it's the same remote setup as the regular FPV drones. um so I wanted to do that for a while and I don't know why I just thought like oh maybe I shouldn't get into like a whole different thing but it's still droning so it's not like that unrelated um so, yeah, so I have my radio coming in the mail hopefully soon. I was hoping to bring it to Egypt, but I think my friend would be like, you're such a loser <laughs> if I was, like, practicing on the simulator in Egypt. Um. So, yeah, like, the next few months, I think, while it's cold, I'll be doing the FPV, and then I'm getting my um, FAA Part 107. But, yeah, with the FPV, it's just kind of crazy because, like, when I was – little like I always wanted to be a bird and like I get that I can't be that (laughs) but my dad was like you definitely and I would like draw out these like all these weird contraptions that you could like stick on your arms and then you'd be able to fly so I basically wanted to fly forever um and this is the closest thing I can get to that (laughs) yeah like I wish I could find the photos they're so funny um and like all my dreams when I was growing up all my dreams were flying so and people used to roast me in school and they're like you're such a loser you're never gonna be able to fly and I was like yes I will (laughs) um and so it's kind of funny being 26 and it's like everything's kind of coming full circle because I get to fly like every day technically but I think with the FPV like I'm gonna feel like a bird for the first time so that's actually I don't really want to do it because it's like the cool thing I just really want to feel like a bird
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I guess it's probably the closest thing you can get to sort of fulfilling that childhood wish of, of, as you say, wanting to be a bird. I mean, you sort of briefly touched on that's where your interest sort of came from. Do you want to talk us through how you sort of first got into photography and where that interest came from and whether you started out with you know, more traditional photography and then moved into drones or was it the other way around?
1: Um, So I first got into doing photo and video because A lot of this stuff has been kind of impacted by boyfriends. I've had a few, but like I was dating a kite surfer and he needed, you know, we'd go to these cool places and he needed someone to shoot him for his uh, spawn through videos. So I just kind of like started filming um, pretty early and he was super supportive. So I'm definitely really thankful for that. Um, So that's how I got into video was shooting action sports, which was cool. And I kind of like realized that I really like you know, like, fast-paced, like, action stuff. Um, And then I went to school, and I started doing um, 3D animation. So very kind of, like, unrelated, but I was always doing, like, the video stuff on the side. And then I was doing advertising as my uh, major. And then I guess, like, the last year of college, I picked up the first drone ever, and I flew it into my ex-boyfriend. He's not with me anymore, but, like, he, it was, like, he was, it was so bad. He was, like, standing on this podium thing, and it was blowing, like, 30 miles per hour, and he, he's a kite surfer, so he's, like, he'd, like, maybe move out of the way, and this thing just, like, took off, and I'm, like, oh, my god, I'm flying, finally. and this thing just went into his bare chest, and he was just, like, bleeding everywhere, and then it just, like, went straight over the side and exploded in a sand dune and I was just I just watched this thing like basically set fire and so for a while I was like I never want a drone again he was like so mad at me um and then I ended up ordering one like a year later and as soon as I sent it up I was like okay this is like my thing so it was kind of like a love at first sight thing yeah um but I think also like during that time in college I was kind of I don't know like yeah yeah I was like definitely going through a really rough period for probably like two years and that I realized like those 27 minutes of flight time were basically like my therapy it was really weird and so pretty much every time I felt bad I would just send up my drone and go look for something like to interest me and it was like the only time that I actually got myself kind of like away from my like inside thoughts I guess
0: yeah and I think with drones in general and for everybody they they sort of give you that moment of separation I think is probably the best way of describing it because although you are looking down at what the drone can see you almost feel like you are looking at the drone like you are looking from the drone's perspective so I think it can be very easy to sort of lose yourself in what the drone can see and almost as you sort of touched on earlier feel like you are flying and and you are looking down and obviously that can be great for a number of reasons and obviously in your case you're able to do it as a job as well so that works really well but you know it that separation I think is probably you know what most people love about it because it is so different and it you know it makes you feel like you're not yourself in the best way possible.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just think that a lot of people, a lot of people connect really well, like in the drone industry, because we have this like weird fascination that can't really be explained, just like that wanting to have that different perspective. Um, But I realized that like for the first time ever, I'm like in this community of people that I'm like, I get you without really you know like having a conversation with them even like we we already have like a lot of a lot more in common just because of like having this weird fascination from like hovering above
0: <laughs> yeah definitely and i think i think one of the other things as well is obviously over the course of doing this podcast i i chat to a lot of people and to sit and chat with a stranger who i've never spoken to before for 40 minutes to an hour about something that we both really enjoy it's obviously you know the interest has got to be there for obviously that conversation to flow but on the other side of that it wouldn't work if both people were sort of closed-minded to the sort of the whole talking about it thing and I think that that is obviously being creatives and you know creating content and that kind of thing I think you become more open to conversation and obviously when it comes to talking about pictures and videos and and drones you know we then just have verbal diarrhea and can't talk enough about it.
1: Yeah yeah that's like that's why I really do like hanging out with like drone people is because it's the first time I mean I'm obviously like a little bit nervous talking like this but um, I am like a really chatty person though I can't shut up but like uh, I think with the drone stuff it's the first time that I'm talking about something and not like I know what I'm talking about and like I'm not trying to pretend I like something for the first time because I think with a lot of work or people that I was involved with before I was like trying to do like it's like kind of giving a speech I remember like in college I had to give the speech for my like talking class which was like the worst class ever but it just wasn't something that I was passionate about. So we had to choose like a totally unrelated topic to us. And I was just like, (laughs) like it was like the worst day of my life. Not actually, there were worse. Um, But if someone had told me and I had been interested in drones at that time, it would have been like, I wouldn't have had to try. Like it would have been the easiest class ever. Um, So I think it's really nice that you know, people are kind of, like, finding themselves and, like, becoming this much more, like, confident version of themselves because they really aren't trying to pretend they like something for the first time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Sort of just moving on to the, the next bit then, have you got any tips that you can offer for anyone sort of starting out? I know we've covered a few sort of throughout the course of the conversation, but is there any sort of closing things that you can sort of, that you wish people had told you when you were starting out?
1: Um... Well, I'd say, so I met my, I met my friend Hugo, who, you know, this year Um, and like he, all these people that I've met in the past year have like inspired me a ton and just like have been really enthusiastic about life. And it's just like, I'm trying to think of like what tips I would give to someone else. I guess it's just like really just hang out with those people that like make you feel really good about like the industry and are like really positive about it i also met my friend um nathan this year and like one tip he gave me that i would definitely give to other people now is just send it as hard as you freaking can like break everything like just do it um he does he does uh ads for dji super talented too um But on this trip, like, I always had them, like, kind of in the back of my head, just being, like, send it harder. So I'd be, like, you know, filming dirt biking. I'd be, like, just drive into it. Just try to touch my drone with your bike, you know? Um, And then I don't know what kind of... I guess my advice, like, to other people would be, like, just don't look at what shots have been taken. I mean, it's hard on Instagram, like, especially if you follow a lot of drone accounts you kind of start to you know like when you go to a place you think you have to shoot it the same um part of the reason why I do video is because you can change so much in whatever 20 seconds that it's never gonna really nobody else like probably has shot it the same way as you just naturally um but I guess it's just like not to fall into the trap of Social media of thinking like that's how a place is supposed to be shot. I think if anything, you should look at that and be like, I'm gonna do exactly not that, because that's how you that's how you you know grow a really genuine following is by doing like really, uh, really like honest work and like trying to be original. Um, I think like doing the Google zooming thing, that's really helpful because you're finding those places that you've never seen before and it just like you're not really trying you're just it's just happening. So I guess yeah, cuz a lot of the struggle I have with the drone community is a, there's a lot of copying that happens. And it's like, you know, I think it's our responsibility to show the world like how many amazing places there are. Um and there's so much to discover like more than we think. And so like this past trip out west, it's like every single day I was seeing something I'd never seen online because I was just taking that extra time and just like zooming in with my fingers. Um, so yeah, I guess just like staying original, but like, yeah. And just meeting people, collaborating a ton. Like you wanna, you wanna start collaborating with people really early on, um, cause it just gets you more excited about being like in this industry.
0: Do you find that your creativity is better when you're sort of surrounded by other drone pilots and other creators? Do you find that you sort of thrive a little bit more when it comes to creativity?
1: Um, I'd say in terms of editing, yes. In terms of shooting, no. So like when I'm shooting with other people, like droning for me is like, it it really is this therapy. So I like to do therapy alone (laughs) and like, I find way more interesting places by myself. So that's why, you know, all these trips that I do solo, I'm finding like all these really special places and I'm taking as much time as I want there. Um, What I find if I'm shooting with other people, like when it's not a job, I feel really rushed. And like, I feel, I don't know, like I don't feel like I'm shooting the way that I would if I were alone. But I'd say in terms of the editing, definitely want to surround yourself with other editors for sure. Because people will say, hey, that sucks. And your color grading is ass. And you'll go, oh, and then like you'll wake up the next morning and go like, what on earth was I thinking with that? But I think they also make you feel, I'd say like by collaborating with other people, either editing with them or shooting, it definitely makes you feel like less alone in doing this kind of like upcoming um thing because like the drone industry is so new still and I think it's a little bit easy to get feel like lost at times because you're you're just doing really different work than other people um so when you're surrounded by people that even do something just creative you feel like you're you're really like doing something good and cool and it doesn't feel as weird.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the biggest things for me is obviously with Instagram and that kind of thing, people tend to compare themselves a lot to people that maybe have bigger accounts have been doing it a lot longer. So, you know, if you're just starting out and you're comparing yourself to someone who's got, I don't know, like a hundred thousand followers and has been doing it for sort of five or six years, the reason their pictures are better is because they have more experience. I mean, yes, you can get great shots when you're just sort of first starting out. And if it's what you enjoy doing, then go and do it. And you're going to learn by sort of trial and error and that kind of thing. But you shouldn't directly compare yourself to someone who's been doing it a lot longer because, you know, you practice makes perfect. And the more you do something, the better you will become. And, you know, you can't just expect to jump in and, and be as good as a, someone who does it, you know, 24 seven as as a job as well. So, yeah.
1: Yeah exactly like I I definitely that's another thing I clearly struggle with like social media and stuff just there's like a lot of stuff that's wrong with it Um, but like I got into like a pretty dark place where because like every time you refresh your feed like I follow all the best you know drone accounts to help me push myself harder but it's like every time you scroll down, you're just like, oh, another banger. Okay. <laughs> you're just like, it makes you feel like people are putting out a banger every single day. But it's just like one person and maybe they're posting like once a month. But it feels like you are behind or something. Like that's how social media, just because it's always updating, um, it has a way of making you feel like you're not pushing yourself hard enough or like aren't inspired and the truth is, it's, like, nobody's nobody's inspired 100% of the time. Like, I had months where I didn't want to shoot at all this year. And I didn't want to edit stuff. I didn't want to look at my own work. And then, you know, having that constant thing in my face being, like, it almost made me, like, go more into my shell. Because I was, like, God, like, why am I, you know, like, I don't think I ever want to be – I don't think I'm comparing myself so much – um, I think it's just more like the comparison is my motivation, and I feel like Instagram makes you feel like you're maybe less motivated than people sometimes. That's like, especially during quarantine and stuff, and I'm just sitting in my room, just like in the dark, and I'm just like looking at the screen. I'm like, why am I, why am I not in Bali right now? And like, why am I not pushing out a banger edit like every day? But it's just not realistic.
0: Yeah. And I think, as you mentioned, that there is a difference between seeing like comparison for like for pushing yourself and comparison for I'm not that good. Um, And I think one's healthy and one's not. And it doesn't take a genius to work out which is the healthy one. But obviously pushing yourself to be as good as you can is great. But beating yourself up because you're not at the same level as someone else when you don't know their backstory and especially over quarantine as well you know you've seen all these people posting all these pictures you know most of them are edits from last year that where they're not able to go out and travel that they're posting pictures that they've sort of got in their on their hard drive that they're sort of reposting so it's it's important not to to beat yourself up if you're not out every single day capturing a sunrise or every single night capturing a sunset you know it's not the end of the world.
1: I know and it did like there were definitely points that I w- it just felt like it just I think a lot of people I know it hit people differently, but I'd say most people I know, they were just like, Oh, this is just like way too overwhelming. Um, having you know, people pretending like they're traveling like during quarantine. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, you're definitely at your parents' house too. <laughs> like, like um, it was just so unrealistic. But yeah, I think, I think if you can like detach yourself and just realize like, it's also the stories. It's like, I think what's becoming really important now is it's not just pretty photos, it's the stories with them as well. And I think people are, because we've been on this like fast scrolling thing, people are now like wanting to know more. They're like, I don't care. I've seen this photo a million times, but like, what's your story with it?
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's part of the reason why we like doing this podcast as well is, you know, you get to show your stories, but we also get to hear the story behind them. Um, And, you know, by by us talking about your pictures, we get to hear the reason that you took them and the experiences that came with it. Um, But as I say, thank you very much for, being on the podcast today um it's been really nice chatting and thank you for taking time out of your your day um yeah i really appreciated it Thanks for
1: having me yeah this was oh, awesome sorry. it was so good to talk to you
0: yes likewise um but yeah all the best with egypt um and i hope it all goes well
1: okay thank you okay have cool. a good day bye
0: yeah see you later cheers